Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. So I want you to imagine that I'm going to take you this Saturday morning to have breakfast at my house. So some of you are already getting a little nervous, questioning or wondering how my cooking is. My cooking needs a little prayer, but let's not talk about my cooking just yet. Imagine you sit in front of me and I give you a glass of orange juice and it's this one right here behind me. I wonder what would cross through your mind. Would you initially be like, man, este Pastor Carlos, etacaño, etacaño, like this Pastor Carlos is cheap. He just gives me half a glass of orange juice. We know all the prices have gone up, you know, like you, you, an orange juice uh, container from back in the day probably was like three or four bucks. Now it's probably like $28.99. So, so you're probably wondering, it's like, why is Pastor Carlos giving me half a glass of orange juice? Or some of you are just completely happy with the orange juice that you received. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand, but deep down inside, you know in your heart what would cross your mind if you see that glass in front of you as you're in my house. So just keep that thought as we continue today. So today we're going to be diving in and talking about the book of Colossians. So the book of Colossians, a couple quick facts is going to be right behind me. It was written, uh, it was written and you'll see there, the type of book is an epistle, it's a letter. There's four chapters written in six, um, 63 AD. And of course, there you'll see that typical to the apostle Paul, he has a style in his letters, to do half of the letter is pretty much doctrinal, and the other half is practical. So whenever you read a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he pretty much breaks it up that way. He starts off giving you doctrine, which is doctrine is the set of beliefs that we have in God. So he gives you doctrine, and then the second half, he gives you practical so that you would be able to know how to live it out, how to live out what it means to be a Christian. Then, of course, the Apostle Paul is the one that wrote the letter. But something that's interesting when you read the book of Colossians right in the beginning, he acknowledges Timothy being there with them. Now, we know that the Apostle Paul actually wrote it because in the end of the letter, he actually said, like, the pen is in my hand as he writes it. But who knows? Maybe Timothy in, gave him input, said a couple things so he could add to the letter too. So here is really interesting with that. So that's some quick facts with that. Now, the Church of Colossae, it's, it was a church that the Apostle Paul didn't start himself. The person that um, started was Epaphras. He's the one that started it. Now, he was a minister, someone that the Apostle Paul pretty much discipled, poured into, and he went back to his hometown and to be able to start the church there in Colossae. Now, the biggest thing here that was happening was that there were some false teachings happening. There was some false teaching happening that he wanted to address. And just to give you an idea of a couple of the statements or things they believed, before we go on, I want to highlight them. The first one is this. They were pretty much saying, the false teachers were saying that Jesus isn't completely God. That Jesus isn't completely God. And even today, there's different religions that acknowledge Jesus, but they don't say that Jesus is God. And there's a lot of people that probably view it that way, but we know that's a false teaching and not according to Scripture. In addition to that, some people of that day in, in, uh, in the book of Colossians, uh, they were addressing it in the church there. Some people believed that Jesus was like an addition to their many gods, 
because, of course, the Greek and Romans had many gods. Like, oh, you want to believe in Jesus? Not a problem. We'll add them to the list. So you could picture having all the Greek gods, all the Roman gods, and then Jesus as well as just an addition. Not the fact that Jesus is superior or anything like that. They'll acknowledge him, but he'll just be part of the pack of all the gods there. Now, something for us to realize that back in the day in that culture, there was a lot of festivals and a lot of things that were observed, a lot of holidays that were observed among the gods of the Greeks and the Romans. So if you decide to be a Christian back then, you really couldn't hide it. If you decided to be a Christian back then and not pretty much support and worship the gods that they were worshiping. And even among the town, and you decide to stay home, it'll be very obvious to them. It'll be very obvious that you're not participating in worshiping the Greek gods, the Roman gods, the local gods. Now, something that's interesting is that every like town had their own little like local gods as well. And the reason why this is important is because when you decided to be a Christian, it wasn't like a small change in your life. It was a huge statement that you were pretty much saying because you weren't participating with the other gods. Now, there's a problem with that from the standpoint of everybody that worships the Greek and Roman gods and the town gods. The reason it was a problem is they believe that everybody had to worship these gods to keep them at pretty much pleased. The moment we don't worship them in festivals and observations, they might get mad at us. And all of a sudden, bad things could happen. So what ends up happening is that, what ends up happening is that whenever anything bad happened in the town, the people there, they would blame it on the Christians. Because the Christians weren't participating in worshiping all the gods the town had and everyone else had. So just keep that into, uh, in um, perspective. So Epaphras came to Paul to ask him for help. He came to Paul. Imagine like pretty much coming to Paul, be like, Paul, this is what's happening back home at the church in Colossae. This is what's happening. There's people saying wrong things about Jesus. And we know that even today, there's a lot of people in this world that wants to pretty much taint and distort the truth about Jesus. So he's saying they're saying wrong things about Jesus. In addition to that, Jews that were Christians were saying that they had to follow the laws. The new Christians had to follow the Jewish laws as well. So not only did you have the false gods, you had the Jewish Christians that were trying to impose the laws that they would abide by before Jesus. So he comes to Paul and he's like, Paul, I need some help. I need some help because this church that we're in, it's a mess right now because of all this false teaching that's happening. So that's where the Apostle Paul responded and wrote the book of Colossians. Now, we're going to highlight a key verse now. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So right off the bat, you could say the Apostle Paul here in the letter, he ends up pretty much makes it clear. It's like, hey, there's a lot of people talking, a lot of teachings out there that are not biblical, a lot of pretty much false teachings about Jesus Don't listen to any of these. Don't get captivated by any of them. They're hollow and deceptive. And then in addition, he says, a lot of them are just based on human tradition. And then he also even acknowledges the fact that there's spiritual forces involved trying to deceive people, the spiritual forces of the world, rather than Christ. 
So for all of us, something we have to be careful too. How I mentioned the world has a lot of beliefs, a lot, a lot of sayings, a lot of things they believe is true that it's not based on the Bible. There's a lot of tradition. Like I know myself, both of my parents came from Cuba. And growing up, there were a lot of things that we would do pretty much when it came to religion, when it came to faith, when it came to like different practices that we would do. Uh, even like, let's say, for example, if someone passes away, there are certain things that they would do. Like, you know, like all of a sudden, all these traditions that were passed on. And here, this scripture tells you, it's like, hey, you got to be careful what the world says. You have to be careful what traditions you allow to be part of your life. You have to be careful what the spiritual forces are trying to deceive you in and really just focus on Jesus. Just focus on Jesus because I guarantee you that right now, this very moment, there might be people in this room, people that are watching on the TV uh, through the live stream as well, that we've accepted into our life as truths, certain beliefs that are truth, that are straight up lies from the pit of hell, like lies, things that are not from God, things that we've accepted and pretty much had, have in our life that we shouldn't have at all. And what ends up happening too is that many times we come up with compromises. Many times we come up with excuses. Well, it's okay. It really doesn't hurt anyone. Let me tell you something. If you can't back it up biblically, cut it out of your life. Cut it out of your life. Because I don't care who tells you it's right. If your mama tells you, your dad tells you, your grandparents told you, your great-grandparents told you, your kids told you, your teacher told you, you know what I mean? I don't even care if another pastor told you. If it's not scripturally based and back through the Bible, cut it out of your life. Because everything has to be found, like the foundation is the word of God. So the word of God is the foundation. So always go back to the scriptures because we don't want to get caught up in religion. We don't want to get caught up with tradition. We don't want to get caught up with any beliefs that is outside of what the Bible, the scripture highlights and tell us. And that's what the apostle Paul pretty much just said there in Colossians chapter 2 Verses 8. Now, remember how I told you before, one of the major things that they had the issue with, they were pretty much trying to discredit who Jesus was. He's like, you know what? They were pretty much saying, Jesus isn't God. Jesus might be part God, or Jesus is just human. Jesus, there's nothing really special about Jesus. Jesus is just like the other gods. You could just add him to the pile that's pretty much the main argument that's there. And I love the Apostle Paul because he's like an OG. So the Apostle Paul, literally, I'm going to read a passage here now. And as you read this passage, every sentence is like a spiritual bomb that the Apostle Paul is dropping pretty much in the spiritual camp and trying to bring truth to where there's a lot of lies and falsehood. So for all of us, we need to realize, and even, um, and obviously I'm just going to highlight these verses for now, but the book of Colossians is only four chapters. It's only four chapters. Para tarea hoy, you got to read it. If you haven't read it today, you have to read it as homework. You have to read the four chapters. It's pretty quick. You could pretty much just do it in about 20 minutes. You could read it carefully. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. You could turn to your Bibles or see it behind me as well. It says this, referring to Jesus for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption. In Jesus, we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. So right there saying, in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. I just want to pause real quick. That verse right there is so powerful because right there is pretty much, the Apostle Paul is making it very clear, is that I don't care what thrones there have been beforehand. I don't care what rulers were there. I don't care who was there before, who's there now, who's um, there afterwards. And he pretty much says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So he's acknowledging that not only all the kingdoms that you see visibly, invisibly, Satan, all the spiritual forces of the demonic world, he's pretty much saying whether invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Now think of that statement. It's pretty much saying Jesus created everything. So through Jesus, everything was created, and then it said it's for him as well. So if you ever think of, like, what is your life about, your life is for God. You were created for God. And then it continues. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So everything of what it means to be God was in Jesus because he, he is God. And then it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So that passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 20, I mean, there's so much there. You could really focus on one verse at a time, dwell on it, and let it impact your life. But in the end of the day, what the Apostle Paul was making clear is like, look, Jesus is God. He created everything. Everything is for him. He rules over every single kingdom, and he's in charge. And our lives is for him, and the forgiveness that we receive and the peace we receive from God is through him, through the shedding of his blood. So there, I mean, think about when I say, I know in the beginning I mentioned chapters one and two is doctrinal. This is doctrinal. This is a set of beliefs. This is what we believe. If, if you're Christian and you believe the Bible is the word of God and the ultimate authority, this is the belief. These are scriptures that are doctrinal, that state the belief of what we believe as children of God. So in these four chapters, there's tons of gems. There's tons of gems, treasures that you're able to chew on and impact your life and will transform you as you allow God to do that. But I'm going to be highlighting on something very specific, very specific, something very specific. And before I get there, and I know I was mentioning about coming over to my house to eat a little bit in the beginning. How many of you think I'm a good cook? Raise your hand. Man, that's how many people think I'm a good cook. How many of you think I'm an okay cook? A little something. It says, he taught you that. I need to like, all right. How many of you are going to pray and fast for my cooking? All right, many of you guys. Well, don't worry, because if you come to my house, you know, on, on a whole different side note, I, I don't cook too many things, and this is going to sound odd. I don't know how to cook a lot of different things, but I'm really good at um, cooking codfish. Right? My Portuguese wife gives the approval. So, uh, she knows I can cook codfish. So, so, all I know is that when I cook, I have a secret ingredient. Before we put the secret ingredient on the screen, could anyone guess what it is? Yo, straight up, my secret ingredient right there behind adobo, yo. 
Yo, I don't care how bad you cook. You sprinkle some adobo on that joint, that thing is going to taste amazing, yo. I, I feel like adobo could be used for anything. I, I'm going to try it on cereal next time. Yo, that thing is, you could use adobo, chicken, fish, cereal, your Twinkies, you know, Oreo cookies. Adobo does miracles. I actually think Jesus himself made the adobo. You know, like, I don't care. Goya, Goya is stealing the credit from Jesus, yo. Goya, yo, we got to sue Goya for it. Because Goya stole the recipe from Jesus because without question, this was fabricated in the courts of heaven, like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Father God sat there and be like, what can we do to help Carlos cook? And then not just Carlos, but every Latino and human being in the world. So they put the perfect combination and then adobo is definitely it. So definitely if you come to my house and I cook for you, you better believe it's going to have adobo. Whatever it is, it's going to have a little adobo because adobo has miraculous powers to make something like beautiful no matter what is done. Uh, how many of you guys are double lovers? Um, and for those, for those of you that like, you know, if you know someone that can't cook and they use adobo to help them, you could point at them a little bit to like buy you just in case. Oh, I see a couple of people get ratted out. Um, so adobo makes a big thing. Now, I want to let you know, the Apostle Paul Not that he needed to because the cooking was already amazing in the book of Colossians. But he used adobo through the book of Colossians and he sprinkled adobo through every single chapter. You'll never look at the book of Colossians the same. You're going to think of adobo, okay? So he just sprinkled a little adobo in each one. And the main secret ingredient for the Apostle Paul is thankfulness thankfulness. And it's amazing because there's so much doctrine. There's so many strong statements that the Apostle Paul makes that you could almost miss it because you're so caught up with the profound statements that the Apostle Paul makes about Jesus that you might all of a sudden like pretty much might miss it. So we're going to highlight it a little bit too. Something that I, I, I forgot to mention before that I just want to highlight, that, which is pretty cool, the, um, there with the, the book of Colossians, how it's a letter. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing, and not only does he focus on doctrinal and practical, he gives a lot of greetings in his letter. Like in the end of the letter, when you read it, he highlights different people that he knows. And I think it's really cool because you, it's, it's a real letter. It's a real letter that was written. And it's almost as if you're able to listen to a, a, someone sent you a letter that didn't belong to you, let's say, in your mailbox, and you happen to open it, and you're reading, you're seeing the greetings and everything. It's similar to that here with the Apostle Paul. So thankfulness, being thankful, is the adobo that the Apostle Paul uses throughout the book of Colossians. You'll see, that, you'll see it in every single chapter. He mentions it at least seven times straightforward about being thankful. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. We always thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And that really made me think, it's like, how many times when we come to God, do we spend time just thanking him? Or do we just come to God to ask for something? For those of you that have kids, imagine, and you probably might be experiencing it, where your kids are only coming up to you when they need something, instead of thanking you for what you've done. Pastor Harold had a deep Amen for that. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty deep, Pastor Harold. So, so pretty much it's like so many times. And I remember when I was a kid too, like I used to just come to my parents when I was hungry. You know what I mean? Like, papi, tengo hambre. Oh, mommy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hungry. Please feed me. Like, just asking for things, but not taking time to thank God. So, I wonder every time do we pray, when we pray, imagine if every time you pray, you set aside a time period just to thank God 
just to thank God for what he's done. And it's, it's amazing that once you start thanking God, it's how it makes you realize the blessings that you have in your life. But also what's interesting here is that it says, we always thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. So as they're praying for other people, they take time, the Apostle Paul takes time to thank God for them before praying for them. So, and I really believe too that that helps transform us from the standpoint of seeing the way God sees each one of us. Imagine even if today, if God is able to do like eye surgery, spiritual eye surgery to each of us and heart surgery, where we would automatically see every single person in this room and in our lives the way God sees us. I guarantee you that you wouldn't walk past that person you don't know. I guarantee you that you wouldn't run out without saying hi to someone that is by you. I guarantee you that we wouldn't like neglect showing love and attention and affection to one another because that is the way that God is. God loves us. He cares about us. He values us. And every single one of us, we're his children. And the world might see us differently because the world likes to put people in categories depending on how much money you have, the color of your skin, the race, your background, the language you speak, or, or whether you're a citizen or whether you're an immigrant. The world likes to say pretty much where you fall in categories. But in God's eyes, if we're children of God, we're all completely equal. None of us are greater than the other person. So I wonder how many of us have fallen in the belief that certain things make us more important than other things, than other people. So we got to be careful with that. So that's the first one. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Colossians 1.12, he says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So right there, I want to highlight even thankfulness, being joyful, being joyful. And uh, last week, um, um, Pastor Joel, he pretty much taught about joy. And it was an awesome teaching. Definitely listen to it if you didn't. But here it says, and giving joyful thanks. Being not only thankful, but being joyful about it. In Colossians 2, chapter 7, it says this, Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing. So that, think of a cup and just pouring something into the overflow. If each one of us are cups, let's say, are we overflowing with thankfulness or literally we're overflowing with whatever the world has made us to be? Because God wants us to overflow with thankfulness. And what's amazing is that, what's amazing, it's not the first time you've heard this. You've heard this before, that God wants us to be thankful. But the thing is that, I mean, even when you think about like the fact of how the enemy works, the enemy loves to steal seeds. Think about the parable of the sower. He he loves to steal seeds from people's lives. Right now, this moment, the word of God is a seed and you're listening to it and it's falling on your heart. The fact that we have to be thankful, overflowing in thankfulness. But the enemy loves to steal those seeds. But let me tell you something that the enemy doesn't really deal with too much. He hates handling roots. He doesn't want to deal with roots. Because roots, is hard to uproot things. I tell you this, I remember so many times being in my mother's backyard and my mother telling me to till the ground and to break up the ground. And sometimes I would encounter some roots. And they were from like, it was like impossible. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's impossible sometimes to pull out these roots because it's hard work. 
it's really hard work to pull out roots from the ground. So when you think about it, the enemy wants, even today about talking about thankfulness, he wants to steal the seeds that have been thrown. He doesn't want you to dwell on it, nurture it, water it, let the sun beam on it, apply it, live it, transform you so that you could build the roots that you need to. He doesn't want to. He wants to steal the seeds before he's able, before you're able to allow God to build a root. And there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 3.15, it says this, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. He, he's always slipping it in. Following the next one, Colossians 3, verse 16, the very next verse. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So here, just for you to see how he consistently sprinkles the fact that we need to be gracious people and have gratitude in our hearts. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we're going to read the very next verse. This verse, if you forget everything else that I said today, I know you'll remember every time you pick up an adobo bottle, you'll probably remember the teaching and think of Colossians. But if you forget any of the other verses, I want you to remember this verse here, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So there, that verse is so powerful. Pretty much saying whatever you do, whether in word or deed, like whether in word or deed, it says do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So pretty much saying whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you're involved in, you're doing in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then you're thanking God pretty much for the situation that you're in, pretty much what's happening in your life. So when you think about it, everything you do and you say, you're supposed to do it and say it in the name of Jesus. So that means when you go to work tomorrow morning and you see your boss, right? And the love that you're supposed to show to them, the respect that you're supposed to show to them, the actions and the deeds and the words that you're supposed to do, you're doing it in the name of Jesus to your boss, to that coworker that drives you crazy, that you think Satan himself sent him uh, or her to, to trouble you. Satanás. You know, it's like whoever that person is, is you're supposed to, the words you say, the deeds you do, do them in Jesus' name. So whatever you do at work, whatever you do at school, whatever you do at home, to your spouse, to your children, to your neighbor, to the person that cut you off, and as he, they drove away, they said you were number one, but it wasn't really number one, but they were expressing something to you. Whatever it is, Whatever we do, we do it in the name of Jesus. So as a Christian, and you know what it is, is because if we believe that we're children of God, we're living to honor our God, and we're doing it in his name, and in the midst of that, it tells us to give thanks. Now put this in perspective in looking at your life. That means that everything we do when we say we're doing it in Jesus' name and then the Apostle Paul said, do it giving thanks. And if you think of uh, Pastor jo Joel's teaching last week, do it in joy, because we know our joy is not based on our circumstances. So no matter what's happening in our lives, 
we know that we need to show our deeds and our actions and our words and doing them in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God for even having the opportunity to go to work, the opportunity to breathe and live and to be part of this life, being with our family, being with our children, being with our coworkers, being with our neighbors, being in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So, like, and some of you live in the county and you drive further out, wherever you live. So many times, so many of us are so caught up wanting to leave this area or so caught up wanting to go to a different place in your life that you're missing the opportunity to worship and glorify God in his name, being rejoyful and thanking God where you at being present. One of the biggest mistakes that people do as Christians or in general is failing to be present. Be present. You know, so many times we think things are going to get better when this happens. No, no, no. Rejoice where you are at right now in your life with your current circumstances, your current struggles, your current obstacles, whatever you might be facing, rejoice and give God thanks. You have to rejoice and give God thanks because the truth is, the truth is, whether we don't see it or not, the people that drive you crazy in your life at this moment, God has them there for a reason. God has them there for a reason. So I don't care how much you pray for them to go away. Because I know you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Not even aguita you've been drinking. And you're like, God, please remove them. God is looking down at you be like, nah, yo, I'm going to bring his twin brother to come into your life too. So you know what I mean? Like God, God you know what? Sometimes I, I'm going way off script right now. But so, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes God keeps us where we're at because we haven't learned our lesson. Okay? So until you learn your lesson, until you learn your spiritual lesson of what God is trying to teach you, you know, really sometimes your circumstances won't change because you haven't learned. Some of us, I don't care if you've been a Christian 30, 40 years, you've stayed back so much spiritually, you're in first grade and you're like 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. You're in first grade in the spiritual world because when it comes to Christianity, because you keep staying back. It's like, yo, you keep praying for that person to leave your life, but you're not learning a lesson. You're not applying what I've taught you. So for every single one of us, think about that wherever we're at, we have to rejoice, be grateful, and do what we have to do in Jesus' name. Because in the end of the day, and I know this is going to hurt for some of us to realize this, is it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about any human being that lives on this earth. It's not about us. It's all about God. It's about giving God all the glory, all the honor in the circumstances that we're in. And always keep in mind that God gave you his spirit. God gave you his spirit and his power to be his witnesses. To be his witnesses. And the circumstances that you're in at this very moment the life that you have, the obstacles, the challenges, the people that are around you, there's a reason there that they're there. And God wants you to be a witness to them. And then some of you might be thinking, it's like, well, Carlos, you just don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to be where I'm at. I don't. But that's why the Holy Spirit came into your life to give you power so you could be that witness. That despite of what's been said, despite of what's been done, despite of the obstacles, the drama, despite of the demonic attacks, despite of everything else, the torment, you're able to stand firm and be able to love, glorify God and overflow with thankfulness. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the last uh, verse here that I'm going to highlight says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So here, it's highlighting that we need to pray. But I, I love the fact that it says being watchful, which when you think about it, like it goes hand in hand with prayer 
because you, you're watching, trying to see what, what's happening and you're praying. But the Apostle Paul doesn't leave out thankful. It's like, hey, when you pray, also be diligent, being watchful, and also being thankful, being thankful. So it's so important for every single one of us. So I have a very important question to ask you. Very importante question. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand uh, and let him know, but if I had to ask you to create a list, I'm going to actually ask you to create two lists, okay? The first list is for you to make a list of a hundred things, okay? Not five, not ten. A hundred things that you would like to change in your life. A hundred things you would like to change. Whatever you would like to change would happen, let me just add. A hundred things. I don't know what you would put in that list. I would put, you know, uh, reducir los chichos a little bit. You know, remove some chichos. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like maybe a, a better car. I don't know what your list would be, but your list could be anything you want. Better car. I want a wife. I want a husband. I want better kids. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or whatever it is. I want a new job. No amens? Like, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Some of you, a new job. I, I, I want more money in the bank account. Yeah, I, I got a couple little amens over there. You know, I, I would like, uh, what else? What else we could say? What? Uh, a better life overall. So any amen? A couple amens. So, so pretty much when you think about it, if I tell you to make a list of 100 things you would like to change, how many of you think it would be kind of easy to make? Raise your hand. A hundred things. Okay? So, someone in the Spanish service said, yeah, I could do about 200 things I would like to change. So when you think about it, it's like there's things that we would want to change. Now imagine I ask you to make a list of a hundred things you're grateful for. A hundred things that you're grateful for. Because think about it, when you think, when you think about what you're grateful for, so many people just at first say, you know, my family, God, but most people will get stuck after 10. After the first 10, it's like, yo, what else do I say? You know, but a hundred things that you're grateful for. Now, the big question I have for you is this, which list is easier for you to make? Is it easier for you to make a list of a hundred things you would like to change in your life or a hundred things that you're grateful for in your life at this moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but the truth is most people would probably find it easier to make a list of a hundred things that they would like to change versus a hundred things that they're grateful for. Because many people see life having uh, pretty much the cup half full I mean, half empty instead of half full, like in the beginning when pretty much I had the orange juice. Most people see what they're lacking. Most people see like what the voids of their life and the things that they want to change instead of seeing the blessings that surround them every single day. So I want to talk about five symptoms of an ungrateful person. And I know what you're thinking. And we all think this way. We're not ungrateful. Like automatically our minds has a default to think it's not us. But but we're quick to think of who it is. He's like, no, that's not me. But that person over there, like, or that person in my family or that kid of mine or whatever it is, all of a sudden as a default, our human nature likes to say, no, it's not us. And we're quick to see who is the one that's truly ungrateful. But I want you to take a moment, and as I talk about these five symptoms, I want you to be honest with yourself. Because there's a good likelihood that there's a certain level of ungratefulness in your life. You know, in your, in your life. And it's one of the things that it's important for us to realize, too, it's important for us to realize that it's contagious. 
It's contagious. And that's why I say symptoms. And when I talk about contagious, I know we think of COVID, you know, with everything we've gone through. Let me tell you, this is, is something just as bad or even worse because this has to do with your soul. This has to do with who you are and how God's trying to transform you. But it's contagious. I recently saw a video and it was interesting. It was a video some of you might have seen it. I don't know where I saw it. I saw it on social media somewhere where there were two people in a waiting area. Uh, they were sitting there, but these people were actors. And randomly, there would be a beeping noise that would happen in the waiting area. And when the beeping noise would come on, the two people would stand up and sit down. That's it. That would happen. All of a sudden, you had random people come in that weren't part of the skit or weren't the actors. The first person comes in, sits down, and then looks, hears the beep, sees the two people stand, and all of a sudden, the person stands too, like confused, like, what in the world is happening? And then sits back down, but doesn't question it, doesn't do anything, but it's affected by what the other two people um, um, did. Then another person came, the fourth person, the fifth person, the sixth person, the seventh person. It was like eight people in total. And whenever that sound went off, everybody stood up and sat down and nobody questioned it. They thought it was normal. In the end, it was someone like looking. It's like, why are people standing up every time it beeps? And the lady's like, I don't know, but yet they still do it. It's amazing how we are impacted by what people do near us. So it's contagious. If you're a person that's ungrateful, it's going to be contagious. If you're an ungrateful person, the chances are those around you and your family is going to catch that ungrateful COVID-38 or whatever, or whatever I want to call it. You're going to catch that spiritual one you could say that's going to make you ungrateful as well. But at the same time, if you're someone that's grateful, if you're someone that's a grateful person, that's contagious as well. All right, let's go over the symptoms real quick. The first one is this. They're always complaining and critical. They're always complaining and critical. So the first symptom is that, and you need to look at your life. Do you usually complain a lot and are you usually critical, like always looking at the negative or what's lacking, the void or complaining, whatever it is, like wherever you go, like you go to a location and you're quick to spot the things that are lacking in this th- instead of the things that are blessings. And let me tell you, for all of us, it's easy for us to be quick to complain or to criticize if we're not careful. If we're not careful, it's easy for us to do that. The second symptom is this. They're often in a bad mood. They're often in a bad mood. You talk to the person and they're always either sad or pretty much looking at everything like it's a rainy day, you could say. They're always in a bad mood, yet even without some concrete reasons why it could be. It's like, if you look at your 365 days of the year, if we had to analyze how many of those days were days you were grateful and lived in joy versus days that you were in a bad mood, complaining and critical, what would that ratio be? Would it be 50-50? Would it be 25% being grateful and 75% being ungrateful? Or whether it be most of the year, you're grateful or maybe you're ungrateful. So that's something else. They're often in a bad mood. The third symptom is this. They're constantly comparing their lives with others. Constantly comparing. And I don't know if you do this, but think about it. You're comparing houses with someone else. It's like, it's like, oh, my house is too small. But yeah, at the same time, would you even have realized that if you didn't go to that other person's house, all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's a bigger house. Like, you know, your house, maybe complaining about your house, 
Uh, I mean, comparing yourself, your house, comparing your cars, comparing your jobs. I've, hear, I've heard people compare spouses. It's like, well, her husband, her husband does, probably you've heard it. Uh, hopefully, Jen has never said this to, to, to me. Jen, portate bien que no te cuesta. You know what I mean? Like, it's like her husband, you know, he mows the lawn and does this and you don't do nothing. That, that has never been said before, right? Uh, or, or, you know, uh, this, uh, her wife, her wife cooks some uh, meals all the time with adobo, and you don't use adobo. You know what I mean? Like, you're always comparing. It could be spouses, comparing kids, comparing jobs, comparing, you know what I mean, like lives, comparing time periods. Like, I've heard people, like, be, like, compare. It's like, well, that person, they got married when they're, like, 25. Like, I had to wait till I was, like, 32 or 40. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those things that always comparing. It's like, well, I'm single and uh, I'm married or this and that. It's always a comparison. Now, obviously, we all have different seasons of our lives. But how I said, no matter what season we're in, we have to glorify God. Because it's not about us. It's about Him. But it's amazing, and I really do believe that social media has a lot to do with enhancing our need to compare with other people. Because when you're on social media, you get exposed to so much stuff that you wouldn't know or see unless it's before you. And um, I know in the past I gave this example. One, two? Okay, I'm back. Uh, Some of you know uh, that we went to, Jen and and I went to Kenya. And when we went to Kenya, something that blessed my heart so much was that the kids that were there, they were amazing. Amazing. They were filled with joy. They were extremely grateful that we were there. And something I mentioned in the past when I highlighted this too, but just to remind you, is just the fact that these kids had to walk to school for about two hours. Two hours to walk to school without shoes, without like barely any clothes on, and sometimes having to carry weapons because along the way, a lion or a hyena might come to attack them. You know what I mean? Like, it's a whole different dynamic, but... What blew my mind away were two things for these kids. Their overflowing of gratefulness and joy of life. Despite of their lack. Because obviously I I look at them and I'm like, wow, there's lack. But they don't see their lack because they don't compare themselves to anyone. Because there's no internet, there's no TV, there's no social media. They, they haven't been to the United States. They haven't been to other countries in Europe or other places around the world. They've been in their tribe and there's no comparison to them. So to them, they don't see that they're lacking. They don't see that there's things that they're missing out and they're overflowing with joy and gratitude. It was amazing, amazing. And then on top of that, something that was extremely obvious to us was their faith in God, their faith in God. They love God. They will go to church and their church services would be for hours. Some of us would be like, yo, tengo hambre, me tengo que ir. I'm hungry, I gotta go. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you think about it, They would be in church for hours, hours. And then in addition to that, um, something that um, like also like caught my attention was they introduced us. We went to the school and it was around 20 of us lined up and I was there to help. Um, Pretty much Jen was uh, really the person that was invited to go because of being in education. And I, I went there to assist. And they introduced everyone on the row, and the kids were applauding, thanking everyone for being there. When they got to me, and they introduced me to them as a pastor, I legit thought I was Justin Bieber or something like that. They started screaming, going crazy of, like, excitement, not because, let's say, I'm a pastor per se, but because it had to do with God. You know, so how I told you, their gratefulness, their overflowing joy, and their love for God, I really believe 
is, it stems from a heart that also is not able to compare themselves to other, other people because they're all together there as a family. Number four, the fourth symptom is their life's mo- motto when approaching situation is what's in it for me. What's in it for me? That's a symptom. So if you look at everything as what's in it for me, like at work, what's in it for me? You know, at church, what's in it for me? Uh, at, you know, at, in your relationships, what's in it for me? With your spouse, what's in it for me? With your kids, what's in it for me? With any interaction you have, what's in it for me? Instead of what are you able to give? What you're able to give. And think about this too, is look at your prayer life. It's like in our prayer life, do we approach God the same way? What's in it for me? It's like, God, what could you bless me with? What could you give me? It's like as if he hasn't given us enough, but the void that we see and what we want is so much greater. And so many times we focus on what we could get from God's hand instead of wanting to know God's heart. And let me tell you, it's more important to know God's heart than chasing after what's on in his hand because once you know his heart and you have that relationship with him, what's in his hand is still going to come to you. Through my life, I've seen this and I've learned this principle and I've talked to many people about this. I tell them, I was like, look, don't chase after things, titles, positions, blessings, or any, don't chase after none of those things. Don't chase after really, like literally, like don't chase after people or anything like that. Chase after God. Chase after God. And as you chase after God, all those things that around your life will be added onto you. I think I've heard that before in a verse. The fifth symptom is this. It is hard for them to celebrate other people. It's hard for them to celebrate. This is a symptom of someone that's ungrateful. When someone that you know gets promoted, are you able to genuinely celebrate what happened? Or pretty much you're just doing lip service, but deep down inside is killing you. It's killing you. Because you, you're not, you, you might be comparing yourself, you know, from that standpoint. Or, or it's like when you think about it, it's like someone else gets married. Someone else, something happens to them, a blessing. They buy a house. They got a new apartment. They got a new car. When you think of material things, they, they're in a new relationship or whatever it is. Is it hard for you to celebrate other people? Obviously, when, we, when I say celebrate, it's being grateful to God for what God's doing in that person's life. In every single one of our lives, when we look at these symptoms, always complaining and critical, being in a bad mood, constantly comparing our lives to others, having the life motto of what is it in it for me, and is it hard for us to celebrate other people? Do you see any level of ungratefulness in your heart, and in your life. And when you think about it too, it's like, when is the last time you said thank you to God? God's been good to every single one of us. Every single one of us. When was the last time we generally said thank you to God? And the way that God sees Thanksgiving is when It's the last time we said thank you to others. When is the last time we said thank you to your spouse? Thank you to your children. Thank you to your mother and your father. Thank you to your friends. Thank you for those that help you at work. Thank you for those involved in ministry. Thank you for your strangers or your neighbors. Thank you for anyone. Like you're you're at the supermarket. Someone's helping you bag your groceries. Do we say thank you? Is it hard for us to say thank you? And I think that one of the reasons why in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul like sprinkles this spiritual adobo throughout the entire book 
is because it's almost like saying, it's like, you know what? This is who Jesus is. This is the doctrine. This is the doctrine. This is who we believe could transform us. This is who God is. But in the midst of it, you better practice it. You better know it. You better live it. You better have a life of thanksgiving. Because it's not so much about knowing about God, but it's about people seeing God in your life. And thankfulness is pretty much we're being a mirror of who God is. Because God is grateful. He's loving. He's kind. He's always serving. He's always blessing. So right now, if everyone could bow their heads, I want to give you a moment to talk to God. And you might be in a place where you might have to ask God for forgiveness. You might have to ask God for forgiveness. And maybe it's a certain level of ungratefulness. I think we all have a level of ungratefulness in one way or another. So just ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to transform your heart. Ask him to make your heart like his. God wants us to be a thankful people. It's a discipline to be grateful every single day. You know, here in our church, throughout this whole year, we've been highlighting the word of the year, which is being anchored in God. And every month, we highlight someone that's anchored in God. And and I just want to remind everyone that this recognition is not based on service. It's on character. Obviously, service flows out of the character, and a lot of times we recognize that, but it's character. And today I just thought it would be very appropriate with this um, teaching about Thanksgiving to highlight someone that has a heart of gratitude, uh, is always filled with thanksgiving, even in moments where when life is difficult, despite of that, they're quick to believe God and to express the truths that the Bible says, despite of what's happening around this person. And this person is always filled with words of encouragement. And not only words of encouragement, but they also always, um, even more than encouragement, use Bible verses to build people up, and to bring hope even in moments that are difficult. So I want to highlight and give this anchor award to Irma Shotsky. Irma, come up here. Irma, Irma is... Um, <laughs> You could make your way up the stairs. Something with Irma, Irma, like she always is always encouraging. I, I, one of the things, she's always, she'll grab you when you least expect it. Uh, You'll walk by her and she'll, she'll grab you. Come here, let's step on the, in in the light a little bit. She'll grab you by the hand. He's like, you're the head, not the tail. Like, it'll be like, like out of nowhere, like she'll just be like encouraged. It's like, God is for you, not against you. You know, like no matter the enemy, like, but like, it's like, what what I love about urban, so you least expect, it's not, sometimes it's not planned. It's like literally like it might be in the lobby. She, uh, just to give you an example of the type of person, she might be on her way out. And all of a sudden, she looks back, and, like, oh, oh. and she's like, like, you know, God goes before you. And then just walks away. And, you know, but she's always encouraging. And I know with a heart of gratitude, always saying thanks. Um, but in addition to that, just always wanting to bless people. So Irma Sita, just want to give you this. God bless you. Thank you so much, Irma. Why don't we thank God for Irma? And obviously... And what's difficult, what's difficult also with these awards, as much as we give them, there's so many people 
that could easily, we could give this to. So I, I don't want you to feel it's like, man, I didn't get an award. I'm not grateful. Like, you are grateful. <laughs> and we do notice God working in you. But, uh, like, we pretty much, when it comes to these awards, like, we prayerfully just see who God wants to highlight. And for a reason that he has, too, he's highlighted um, specific people. So I do want to let you know, as we just close, I'm going to close in prayer. Before you leave, you have one assignment, okay? I want you to turn to someone here in this room and just express your gratitude to them, okay? Even if you don't know them that well, we want you to thank them. And I want to encourage you to do that with someone that you don't know that well. It's easy for you to turn to, you know, a friend that's close to you, unless you've never told them that you thank them, you know, like, it's like, you know, but it's easy for you to turn someone next to you, your spouse or a friend, but Maybe someone that you don't really talk too much and just take a moment to say thank you. Why don't we close in prayer? Why don't you stand to your feet as we close in prayer? Father God, we thank you so much for today because you're a God that desires for gratefulness to overflow from our hearts, God. God, forgive us for being ungrateful. Forgive us for thinking that the world revolves around us or always thinking of what's lacking or what we want or what we need, instead of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, and seeing the abundance of blessings that come down upon us. And may we not believe the lie that the the blessings that are important are the physical ones, God. God, that we would realize that the blessings, the spiritual blessings that are raining upon us every day are worth billion times more than anything else that this world could give us. God, we're grateful for your forgiveness. We're grateful for your strength. We're grateful for your peace. We're grateful for your deliverance, God. We're grateful that you go before us every single day. God, we're grateful, Lord God, that you shine upon our lives. We're grateful, God, that your presence surrounds us, goes before us, behind us, to our sides, underneath us, and above us. God, we're grateful God, that despite of what might be happening in our lives, you're there to always lift us up. We're grateful, God, that you love us, God. God, forgive us, God. Cleanse us, God, and transform us. Do that surgery right now that we talked about before. Do that surgery, that spiritual surgery in our heart and in our eyes, in our lives, that we would see those in our family, our friends, our coworkers at church, our bosses, the world, the strangers, that we would see them the way that you would see them and that our hearts would overflow with thankfulness, that when we pray, we would be thankful, that when we live, we would be thankful, that we would do everything in your name, God, so that you could receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember your assignment. Say thank you to someone. Give someone a hug. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.